Welcome to the Christchurch Oceanside Podcast, a faith community on Vancouver Island within the Anglican Network in Canada. We invite you to check out our website at ChristchurchOceanside.ca, or if you're on Vancouver Island, join us on a Sunday in the News Bay. Today's message is brought to you by our pastor, Father Ryan Matchett. We hope you enjoy. Bless you. Scripture reading is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, beginning in verse 18 to the end of verse 22. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to you, Lord Christ. Well, we're continuing our studies here, the Gospel of Matthew, with our series on the cost of following Jesus. Now, last week, we started looking at what it means to be a true follower, that Jesus becomes our teacher, that we become his apprentices, learning, internalizing, making it our own, and passing it on to others with a trustful willingness to follow Jesus wherever he may lead us, which means in ourselves, to facing ourselves, to parts of ourselves that we might actually wish we could avoid, but also in our relationship to the world. Next, what we're going to look at in this text of scripture is the qualifications and warnings that Jesus gives for what that will look like. And so what Jesus wants is for us to understand what we're getting into. So what he does is he responds to this first disciple that comes to him out of the crowd, offering to follow him, and he and he responds to him with a qualification. Because Jesus wants him to make a genuine, knowledgeable decision. I don't think Jesus is playing hard to get as a rabbi here. I just think clear is kind. So verse 20, here's what Jesus says to him. Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Why do foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests? I think it's pretty obvious. For shelter, for security, for comfort, a place to rest. Why do we as humans have homes? For all of the same reasons. But Jesus is saying... He has nowhere to lay his head. Why doesn't Jesus? I mean, this is a multifaceted answer. Why doesn't Jesus need a home, need a place 
that he goes to for respite, for, for comfort, for safety? The first answer really comes down to his divinity. And this is even the language of the Son of Man, this prophesied God-Man Messiah. All things in the universe are Jesus's. All things are created by him, are sustained by him, and subject to him. The creation actually has nothing to offer him because he offers the creation all that it needs. But here's the mystery of the faith. Not only is Jesus God, he is fully human. And so heaven is his home, but he's left that comfort of heaven to take on the fragility of humanity. So in his full human state, he feels every threat as we do. But rather than live as we do, desperately working to attain safety and security as a salvation for his human fragility, we see him actually go without the creation's provision for that. How? Because Jesus is God's beloved son. He lives in focused and intentional dependence upon the Father's care, goodness, and provision for him. Though Jesus as God might have every privilege at his disposal, and every privilege that comes with being the human Son of God, Jesus reveals that a full human life is fulfilled by relationship with God, not possession of earthly comforts. This is profound. So what we end up seeing from Jesus is this kind of like nomadic existence once he begins his ministry, especially. But it also speaks to how he viewed his whole upbringing, that though he had a family and has a home and is situated in Nazareth and was born in Bethlehem, that his true home is ultimately found in the Father. Now, here's the contrast, though, with us, with our human existence. When we, the crowning achievement of God's creation as image bearers, seek to possess the creation to make us more valuable or worthy of love or happy and satisfied, we fall from a dignity into slavery. And this fall of, of instead of finding all of our satisfaction and fulfillment in God, when we look to the world, to the earth, things that we can get, like money and wealth and all these things, when we look to them to make us feel okay, we fall from a dignified place of, of having been created only for relationship with God. And what this does is it throws the whole creation into disarray because now rather than God being rightly desired and his image bearers being rightly dignified, the creation is lifted up as greater than all those things. And the creation cannot fulfill or sustain humanity. So it's this this human state of God's forgottenness that we forget God humanity's fallenness and our creation idolatrousness ends up being the cause of the destruction of the earth. 
It's the cause of the destruction of our society and our mental health and our bodies and our families and ultimately our souls. Part of Jesus' saving work is to call us into an apprenticeship that will change our relationship with the creation. Henry Nouwen, uh, a great Roman Catholic priest and you know, pastor of hearts and souls. He's one of my favorite authors. He says that our world encourages us to form our identity according to this script. And it's three things. That I am what I have, I am what I do, and I am what people say and think of me. But if our identity is found in these things, then our identity can be dismantled and destroyed by others and by lack even, or by calamity. And so our, our relationship then with these things becomes this subservient. We, we lose our sense of being created for the divine and instead pander after getting a hold of things or getting the favor of people. Here's what finding your identity in your possessions can sound like. If only I could get this house or renovate this or make it look a certain way, I would feel like I've made it. Or I could never work at Starbucks. I'm just beyond that. But on the other side, it could sound like this. I know I'm being exploited at my job and I'm underpaid, but nowhere else would hire me. Or when he or she is having a bad day, I can't relax or I can't have a good day. All of these things are actually what finding your sense of self in the creation sounds like. Here's some other ones. After the day I've had, I just need a few glasses of wine to feel like myself again. Again, that's a, I need this to be me. I need this to be okay. I don't know who I am outside of a romantic relationship. Or maybe this one. I just need some me time where I can unplug from everything and watch Netflix or play video games or read a book. But again, it's this, I need to get to something else to get me. So when we define possessions, we're looking at things like wealth, property, food, even attaining a specific physical body or physique, having dependences or needs on media and entertainment, even that feeling of like, oh, I can't find anything to watch. And that's so frustrating that it throws you off, that you're looking for something and can't find it. That's a sign. Maybe it's specific people that you need their approval of you. But it can also be positions or power or influence, status in the community that you exist in, or it could even be social media, right? The uh, um, attention of others through social media and likes or even fame. 
Jesus is seeking to invite us into a new relationship with these things. Instead of us needing them to complete us, Jesus is offering us and welcoming us into a new way. A new way where he rewrites and rewires the scripts that we believed about what we need, what makes us valuable or successful, and what true human happiness looks like. But it begins with this process of going, of recognition, that I recognize in order to follow Jesus, I'm going to have to loosen my grip on these other things. But here's the thing. Once you try and loosen your grip on something, what we tend to discover is that this thing has a grip on me. That I'm trying to let go, but it's not letting go of me. That there's this pull back to it. So to follow Jesus, I think, honestly, we have to take stock of how we, the relationship that we have with the creation and, and with this idea of having possessions, that I need this house, I need this much money, I need these clothes, I need this food in order to be happy and fulfilled. That to, to recognize that and then to say, but I want Jesus instead. I see that his way is the true way. I see that his way is the only real fulfillment. So I'm going to release my grip on this. I'm going to confess and repent to Jesus of my dependencies on these things and of my idolatry of them, that I, I've worshipped them, that I've made them my highest priorities. And so I'm going to confess, I'm going to repent of that, I'm going to turn to Jesus. But the old me is also going to rise up there, that the... The grip that this stuff has had on me is going to rise up. So my emotions are going to flare a bit. And I'm going to be like, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm like in pain by not having this stuff. And my mind's going to fixate on this. I want to follow Jesus, but my mind can't stop thinking about these desires. My body even is going to go... I, I can't rest. I can't relax because I need to quest after these things. All of these things need room to come up and come out and speak and complain and, and uh, debate and, and, and even try and convince me that I should go after these things. And each time these feelings come up, I need to confess them and repent of them to Jesus. What Jesus then does is takes all of me and all of these desires and emotions and thought patterns and restlessness of my body and the desperation I have to quest after these things. And all of them go with him to the cross. That old me was an apprentice after desire, an apprentice after desperation, an apprentice after possessions, dies. The old me that sold my dignity for fleeting pleasure and possessions dies with Jesus. But the new me, the true me, 
the dignified me, the me that's made for a purpose and for a reason and is a blessing to the world, and the me that would have a healthy relationship with the creation. So it doesn't mean that I no longer ever have anything to do with these things. Jesus is just resurrecting us into a good relationship with these things. The new me, the true me, is raised with Christ. And rather than that old script that Henry Nouwen talks about, that I am what I have, I am what I do, and I am what people say and think of me, is replaced with a new script. In Christ, I have all things. That the creation is possessed or owned by God, not me. But if I have God, I have everything I need. In Christ, I have all things. Secondly, my purpose, my great purpose is to be with God. He's the highest good. He's the reason for my existence, that I exist to be with him and in him is true happiness. That's my new definition of fulfillment. And thirdly, my identity is as the beloved. My value is not earned by me, determined by others, or proven through achievements. My sense of self comes from being beloved by God in Jesus, that I am a son in whom he is well-pleased, and you are a daughter in whom he is well-pleased. And then a new, I think a fourth one that I would add to it, is this, that I am a gift to the creation. That I'm here to bless and benefit the world around me. And I was made by God to be a blessing to this creation, to this world. That that's why I'm here. I'm not here to consume it. I'm here to bless it. So when I start to desire again possessing the creation, Part of what the way of Jesus and being an apprentice of him helps me understand is that, firstly, Satan wants me to forget God. So he's going to try and fill my mind with just the creation, the desires that I have for it. And sin is going to want to pull me down from the dignity that comes with close, to re close relationship with God. Because here's the heart of that dignity, is that... Humanity is so beautiful and valuable and wonderful that only true divinity, God, can satisfy it. That's dignity. It's saying everything else that's being pushed at you, offered to you, shoved down your throat, is actually beneath you. It's beneath what you were made for. And we know that feeling because when we sacrifice our dignity to get a hold of something in the creation, what's the first thing that we feel once we've got it? Ashamed. We realize I sold parts of myself that are beyond valuable. For what? For this? For this fast food meal that makes me feel sick? For this unethical pornography that that dehumanizes other people and dehumanizes me? 
that I binged this show and, and lost a day of this beautiful life for what? For what? We sense that loss of dignity. Because that old self wants me to seek and work to possess in the creation what only God can give. When in reality, the, the new script, the true script, the real way that I'm signing up for in Jesus as an apprentice is that all I really want is God. And Jesus is the good news of salvation from this enslaved way of living where the creation possesses me. I don't truly possess any of it. And I'm participating in the destruction of family and, and of true intimacy and of society. And ultimately, even the, the creation itself, the world, that I'm participating in something that is destroying it. When all I really want is true happiness in relationship with God. And this, this relationship dignifies me. It pulls me up into goodness. It pulls me up into beauty. It pulls me up into love and blessing and benefit towards others. And so I loosen my grip on the need for possessions and I become gripped by the love of God in Jesus that pries me out of the grip that sin and evil and the creation have on me and pulls me up into true fulfillment. Fulfillment of the longings of my heart to be in true goodness, to be of true goodness, and to be at work of true goodness to the world. That true dignity is going, I don't just exist to consume. I, ex I exist to, to give, to receive from God what he wants to give me instead of taking, and to give to the world what I want to give instead of feeling like it's stealing from me. So what it means to be a true apprentice and what Jesus is getting at in this response to the disciples' desire to follow him is to say, look, you got to loosen your grip of what you define as true happiness. It's not having all of these things. True happiness is having me. And, and true happiness looks like actually having less. Because in me you have everything and need nothing but what I provide for you. This is a vision that frees humanity. This dignifies our existence and it makes sense of our deepest longings to go, yeah, none of this is actually working for me and none of this is really satisfying for me. I'm being force-fed food that I hate. I'm enslaved to patterns of work that are destroying me. This last week I saw a video um, where a billionaire was being interviewed. It was by this young kid who's super into business and wealth 
production and all this stuff. And he says to the billionaire, how did it feel when you finally reached that point that you were a billionaire? And he goes, it was the best day of my life. I finally felt like a weight was lifted off of me where I didn't have to worry anymore and I didn't have a care in the world, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And he goes on on this, this whole thing. And the world wants to present that to us as some kind of glorious vision of self-achievement. But here's the reality. It's pathetic. So here's a man whose inner life is so infantile and fearful that he can't feel okay, safe, at rest, secure, or generous unless he has a billion dollars of wealth. That's pathetic. It's disgusting. It's undignified humanity. To think that a person has to have that much to be okay is what's wrong with the world that we live in. The way of Jesus is offering us a much more beautiful apprenticeship to learn, which is you can have little and be a abundantly satisfied. You can have little and be an incredible blessing and benefit to the world. You can have little and be safe and secure because if you have me, you have everything that you need. And for us millennials and Gen Z that are coming up into this broken economic system, this is incredibly good news for us. This makes sense of our situations to go. I'm not actually a victim of the economy and the governments that I'm inheriting. This is a doorway to true freedom, true human life and existence that's full of happiness and simplicity and generosity and a benefit to the world. So hear me, friends. The way of Jesus is the true good way. And it's a better relationship with the creation in which we're not seeking to possess it. We exist to serve it. Because we have been possessed, owned, are captured by the love and the goodness of the creator. And all of this is made possible through the person and work of Jesus. So for us, in considering, am I ready for this next step? Do I really want to be an apprentice of Jesus? It includes a new relationship with the creation. And I think it's freaking good news. It's a way better way of living than this capitalistic, dystopian farce. The way of Jesus is true human freedom. 